In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Season four. Let's go, baby. Yeah. There was a time I had trouble talking about it. Congratulate them, we know they doubted. Somehow we made it up out the pit, back against the wall. Never quit, traversing through each obstacle. Show a non believer what's possible. Let nothing they could do stand in between me and my wildest dreams. Let's go. And that come at us could come in between. Life gave me the worst, yet my side grew so green. We've been down in the dirt, been tossed in the trash, but I never strayed from my path. When we're gone, we ain't looking back. Maybe we were all way too high. Maybe that's our fault. It's going to be a crazy time, but it's going to be a fun time. Life is boring if you don't take some chances and do some things outside the box. Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fancy football advice. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in, everyone. It is October 4th. Spooky season is officially among us. And man, did we feel it here in NFL Week 4 as it was a doozy. Tonight on the show, we're going to break down the good, the bad, and the injured of Week 4. Tell you how to move forward as Week 5 is rapidly approaching. Joining me tonight on the show, Seth Woolcock, is always my brothers from another mother's chef, real estate agent, Father, husband, analyst Nathan Polvote, and yes, our guy over there, Scott Rainier, sleepless in Seattle once again, also a father and a husband and an analyst. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Week four in the rear view, week five. Here we come, baby. I love that shirt, Scott. I love the person that gave it to me. They must be really cool. So just say that much. How are we doing guys? How, how, how are the vibes feeling? I'm high energy tonight. Week four was a shit fest, but I'm excited to see what, what comes in week five. I'm good, man. Just like we all thought Detroit, Seattle fantasy bonanza, you know, I'm just happy that my hometown Seahawks are kind of fun to watch at least. Absolutely. Yeah. Scott, you got one of the highest scoring games in NFL history out there on the West Coast. So congratulations to you on that one. Guys, so much happened here this week and we're going to break it down tonight. We got front and center. We're going to kind of sift through the mess. What is actual that we can take away? What is maybe just a little bit of fluff on the surface? We're going to talk in the scope. Waivers run tonight. We're going to talk about who you need to be picking up, who you need to be cutting as well. Um, and then we're going to talk our free agent finds. We have hit some gold mines here early in the season, so I'm excited to see if we can continue to hit those. Um, and then we're going to end it with some weekly advice, guys. I feel a bit overwhelmed this week. I'll be honest with you. I, I think we're you know we're four weeks into the season. Stuff's starting to go off the handle, whether that's a couple ACLs and, and injured seasons, whether that's me losing my three favorite leagues this week by combine of four points. Devastating, I know. But I feel a little uneasy, and I, w- I want to get advice from you guys because I know I'm not the only one feeling a little bit uneasy out there. I know there's other people out there panicking. You might have own four teams, one in three teams, but I'm excited to sift through that with you guys as well. I'm right in your boat, man. Like, I mean, we'll get to it when we give the advice out, but like, my personal fantasy season has been absolutely brutal this year. Um, I'm no longer winless. I, I only have one winless team now after this past week. There you only go. one in 12 leagues. But it's my main longest home league. I'm 0 and 4. Oof. So we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I mean, we all hey, I'm from it. I'm 4 and 0 in our home league for the first time. I think there maybe ever. There you go. Sorry, there you Scott. go, Nate. Must yeah, be no, taking he, your own advice, brother. Must be taking Nate, that own advice. I must be. Nate took Nate took me down this week. We were both, I did. We I were took, about three. We were both three and 0. 
Okay. Okay. Round well, congratulations one, to Nate moving forward there. Scott got to be better here, but we're going to, we're going to help people tonight. And I think we're going to help each other as well. Cause I have some questions that relate to my teams for you guys. And I'm sure it's going to be vice versa here as well. We got Albert in the chat. Once again, good evening, Albert. Good evening good to you. We appreciate evening, you joining Albert. us guys. Friend. A reminder to everyone, easiest way to support the show here at in between media is give us a like thumbs up on this video, subscribe here, iTunes, wherever you guys get your podcasts. And it means a lot to us we we just hit 300 subscribers last week i know we're going to continue to grow at a rapid pace so i'm very very excited for that guys let's go ahead and jump in though because we have an absolutely loaded show and it starts here with front and center sometimes taking that first step out the door is the hardest thing to do give it a chance you'll be begging for more save the spot just for you so week four was highlighted by the injuries guys and it started on sunday morning West Coast managers, I know they're in a little bit of trouble here, guys, because Alvin Kamara, he did not suit up for this one in an early game in London. So 6.30 a.m. on the West Coast, if you weren't locked and loaded and made those switches with Alvin Kamara, you might have been burned. He was started in at least about 30% of leagues, guys. So uh, sad to see that happen. But uh, with him being held out with this in injury, um, it opened the door to Mark Ingram once again to be somewhat fantasy relevant. 13 touches for Mark Ingram, but only 7.3 fantasy points for him on the day. Taysom Hill got into the end zone once again on the ground. And Latavius Murray, old sneaky Latavius, he was activated. He got back in there as well. I mean, this is what it is with Alvin Kamara right now. You can't really trade him. I've seen some trades for him, and I feel like people aren't really getting fair value back for him. So, you know, I I'm a hold at this point, and I, I don't really know what else there is to say about this situation, guys. It sucks. The only yeah, thing I mean, he could have done differently is not roster him. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even if you were quicker on the draw than me, I am one of the 30%. I have him in two leagues, and I was super busy with other stuff on Saturday night. I checked, and it said, you know, questionable but likely to play. And then I just didn't – I I wake up at 6, 6.30 every day with the kids, and, like, yeah. I just didn't wake up. Um, all my fault. I know Twitter's been a buzz about that – situation like i'm good like um the two leagues i have him in i won one of them anyway and the other one there i got blown out so for me personally it didn't matter that much but as far as overall i mean yeah he hasn't really even played yet I mean, he's missed two games now and even, even if you were sneaky and thought okay i'm gonna slide mark ingram in of course somehow from the depths latavius murray, murray comes in and scores the touchdown so it is it, it's been disappointing, like it has been for many round one value running backs this year. Um, I still, it's def, he's definitely a hold. I, I'm just in PPR. I'm just, just waiting for Kamara to show up, you know? Absolutely. Guys, I'm seeing a couple of questions in the chat. Let's run through these injuries quick in the next three to four minutes, and then we will get to any questions you guys have. Feel free to put those down in the chat, whether it's trade, start sits, whatever you guys got for us. We'd love to help you out here live on the show. Javante Williams, guys, he suffers a torn ACL, LCL, and posture uh, lateral corner. Sorry, could not pronounce that. Not a medical doctor. Um, but, again, just another awful situation. Um, it sucks. 
Melvin, he, he got banged up in this one as well. He fumbled, had negative points on the day. So not a good day overall if you're a Denver Broncos running back, unless your name was Mike Boone, who suddenly enters the fold here. And we're going to talk him, about him a little more in depth here when we get to the waiver wire section later on, guys. But Mike Boone, Melvin Gordon, these guys need to step up. Latavius Murray signed to the roster as well this week. Hops on a plane back from London with the Saints. Gets over to the Broncos. Crazy how the uh, the whole practice squad situation works there. But looks like he's going to be suiting up in Denver, guys. Just awful to see for Javante Williams. We've been big fans of him here on the show. And we hope he has a speedy recovery. But I think the rest of the way here, guys, Melvin, he's probably an RB2 as long as he's healthy. And I think we got to take our flyers here on Mike Boone with the waiver wire the way it is. Well, you you do have to take a flyer on Mike Boone. Don't get excited about Latavius Murray, guys. He hasn't been a lead back since 2017. He hasn't really been good since 2013 in anything but a spot role. And I really feel like that's all this is. They brought him in to spot Boone and Gordon. I'm certainly not excited about Latavius Murray Murray coming in and taking over, but I, and Mike for me, like as far as waivers go, Mike Boone's Mike Boone is the is the dart throw for me as well, but. My expectations, I mean, it was already a committee where Javante wasn't getting yeah. the work you, you would have thought with Hackett calling, calling the shots. And so I don't foresee much, you know, it's going to be messy. It's going to be a committee with one, you know, bringing in one lesser talented back after the most talented back got hurt. And speedy recovery to Javante Williams, that's, it's just, you never want to see a, a, like a, you know, a burgeoning star player go down. Absolutely, um, he got but, burrowed. He got burrowed. Yeah, so blew up his knee. So, well, but I mean, you know, Mike Boone just finds his way into our world every 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 few years. I remember there was a fantasy championship a few years back where he was yes. the hot, he was the hot ad. Yep, twenty four PPR points I, that day. I, I looked lost. it up. Yeah, I looked it up today. Twenty four yeah. PPR points. He won a couple people some leagues that year. It sucks. We hope Javante will be back. We know it's going to take him a little bit of time coming back from this ACL. Hey, Brad Bolt, good to see you in the chat tonight, buddy. We're doing well. Appreciate you tuning in tonight here on the YouTube. I think the bottom line here is for me, if I am tr- if I'm have Melvin Gordon, I'm looking to move him immediately. Someone out there is desperate for a running back, whether it's this news, the, a couple other news items we're going to talk about tonight. But I would be looking to move him because I don't think his value is going to be what people might think it is. While I think he's going to be, you know, a, a mid a mid range RB two rest of the way here, guys. There's still always value to capitalize on the unknown. We did it earlier this this season with Daryl Henderson. We talked about flipping him after week one when the opportunity was there. So just something to keep in mind there. Let's move forward though. We have some questions to answer here very soon. But first, Cordell Patterson he heads to IR after a knee procedure. He exited this game early, played one snap in the second half, fellas, and then it was out for him. He at least scored a TD on the day. He is now RB12 on the season. So uh, Patterson, he's, he's played well so far. Nate, your and I's concerns about him holding up were, you know, they were accurate. He played through some of the injury, opted to get that surgery today. And now it le- leaves a couple rookies here in the backfield, Tyler Algier being the headliner there. I mean, again, we're going to talk about him later in the show. I'm a, like, I don't think we can get overly excited. Nate, you kind of talked about that in your column yeah. today. Yeah, the thing is, is that we saw Caleb Huntley come in and they had even even carries, 10 and 10. Algier was a little bit more efficient with his carries, 80 yards versus 49. But when you look at this situation, and Arthur Smith, like this is going to be a platoon. 
That's what they did last week. It's what they're going to continue to do until Cordero Patterson is back. You can't, I mean, if you're desperate at running back, okay, pick one. It doesn't matter which one it is really at this point. And let's keep in mind too, that Damian Williams has been out the last few weeks and he could make his way back as early as next week as well. So by week six, there could be three different mouths to feed here. Scott, do you you feel any confidence in this Atlanta backfield next couple Um, weeks? It's it's to me, it's similar. It's like, it's similar to Denver. It's going to be messy. I mean, I I think I'm probably a little bit higher on Algier. I did. I wrote a, I wrote about him a few different times leading into this season. He just had a really good uh, college profile from a rushing standpoint, not receiving Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and he, he had a few runs last week that he looked pretty explosive. So I don't think either is going to come in and take over as a lead back. I would rather have Algier. I mean, absolutely. Fifth round is not great, but it's better than undrafted. Yeah. Um, but I would be worried about Damian Williams too. He's eligible to come back, I believe after week five. And so I think it's going to kind of be a mess if, but if I'm doing waivers now also because Cordero, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a nagging knee injury that he had a minor procedure on. So, I mean, I think the thought is he'll be back after, you know, after the four games, it's not going to be some prolonged thing. So I just, I would be hesitant to spend a lot of fab or priority on Tyler Algier, but he's mm-hmm. who I would want in Atlanta. Albert here asking a question related to what we're talking about here. Would you guys rather pick up Rashad white? I yes. would. Yes. Yes. I, I agree yeah. with you there, Scott, because I, like, I think at the end of the day, he has standalone value with Leonard Fournette still there. He got in the end zone. He had five receptions, five targets this week, capitalized on him. Really nice day for him. And I think if something were to unfortunately yeah, happen to Lenny, like, yeah, he steps into an RB1 role. So absolutely, I would rather pick up Rashad White. Albert, great question, though. Yep. Final one here, guys. Jonathan Taylor, he twists his ankle. He said he is optimistic and wants to play. He plans to play on Thursday, but he also said in the same quote, if you can't go, you can't go. Um, initially this report is a high ankle sprain, which really caused some concern there. Um, we've seen players come back from high ankle sprains the last couple of seasons, and they're not the same player for the rest of the season. However, we don't know if that's the case. We're not really getting a lot of information out of the Colts right now. I scoured the internet today. I scoured all the beat reporter pages. I could didn't really find a whole lot. Didn't find a whole lot except a couple quotes from him, a couple like very vague quotes from Frank Wright as well. Um, bottom line here, I think though, with Jonathan Taylor, guys, if he's out, you can start Naeem Hines. If not, you got to hold him. Hope he comes back and it smashes because he's been wildly inefficient. Over 20 carries here in week four, only got a little over 40 yards in him. So just dreadful if you've been a JT fan, man, a JT manager, Scott. Yeah, I saw, I mean, I saw from Adam Schefter and I think a few other places, he did have x-rays and they did come back negative. Right. Whatever that means for a high or not high ankle sprain. I'm not, I'm, I don't know enough to know if that means, okay, it's officially not a high ankle sprain, but I think the fact that it came back negative means it's probably not some, um, you know, long lasting injury that's going to keep him out for more than a game. Uh, again, like you said, though, it, it doesn't, it hasn't been pretty when he's been healthy. Um, so, I mean, obviously keep an eye on that cause they play on Thursday, yep. but I'm not as, I'm not as quick to just throw Naheem Hines in. Hines to me is, is he's not going to just all of a sudden be their bell cow. He is their pass catching back. Deion Jackson potentially will be their, you know, take over that role. It'll be a little bit, it'll be much more of a split thing than it was with Jonathan Taylor, but I don't think Hines is some smash. And then I heard Nate's boy, Philip Lindsay could be elevated from the practice squad as well. Yes. And he's got a lot more experience. That, you know, as like a one game fill in for the Colts, you know, who are trying to keep their season alive, basically. 
I want to see Philip Lindsay. The dude ran for a thousand yards two seasons in a row after being undrafted. Sorry. Hey, Just no, don't I, say Philip Lindsay. <laughs> it makes me mad. I would, I would love to see Lindsay get an opportunity in Indy and maybe prove something and land with a team that needs a running back. <clears throat> Broncos. Um, I think that would be awesome. I would too, but I mean, under the logic of he hasn't been a bell cow in a while, like Latavius Murray, it applies with Lindsay as well. Oh, but hmm. Lindsay's like seven or eight years Lindsay. younger than Latavius Murray, man. No, I yeah. lo- I love Lindsay. I love Phil yeah. Lindsay. I've loved him ever since he came in and surprised everyone that first year. I agree. So. I agree. It was a story that didn't last long enough, guys. So we're gonna hope Jonathan Taylor comes back. Um, I put out a tweet earlier today, just kind of like re-ranking the first round of uh, fantasy drafts here. And some guy commented asking like, wow, you really still had Taylor in that first round. I think I maybe had him down at eight or nine or 10, like, like somewhere in that back half. Um, Nate, would you like, if, if we were redrafting in August, knowing what we know today that JT is going to have a couple slower games out of the gate, might be a little banged up. Would you still draft Jonathan Taylor in the first round looking back? You think? So I'm going to say no, but I'm not going to say no because I don't think Jonathan Taylor is talented. I'm going to say no because I'm not sure Frank Wright knows what he's doing as a head coach. And I think this team is kind of a mess. And Matt Ryan should have retired like five years ago after he won MVP, got out on top. This team is just a mess. And knowing that, still a hold in Dynasty, but for redraft this season, I probably wouldn't have taken him at cost. What about you, Scott? Well, no, I wouldn't have taken him in the top three. But I would still, I mean, it's a... It's still a pretty small sample size. I agree that the trend is not positive with, you know, they, they've been a team whose offensive line has pushed people around and that's just not happening this year. Um, it, it, you know, it, game one, he smashed game one. A lot of people smashed that have come yeah. back to earth. Um, but I'm still, yeah, I'm still taking him in the first round. There's, there's a handful of receivers that I'm now taking probably over most running backs. Certainly. Certainly. Yep. Um, Certainly. But as far as once I get to the running backs, I mean, there's not a ton of running backs I'm putting ahead of him, even with this slow start. Yeah, it was it was unfortunate, guys. Um, hopefully, Jonathan Taylor can bounce back here. Um, we'll see what happens here this week. Want to get to a couple questions here that we have in the chat, guys. Want to start here with Caden, the Colts fan. What's up, Caden? Hope you're having a great Tuesday evening with us. Thanks for tuning in. Was offered Lamb and Henry for J. Jeff. Nope, not for me. I'm not giving up Justin Jefferson without getting a, a top four or five asset in return. Sorry, can't do it. Scott, no are you in on, on this at all? Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm out on this as well. Unless, you know, I mean, that's too, I mean, CeeDee Lamb has started to prove himself. He's turned it around. Games, which with Cooper Rush at, at quarterback. So, I mean, if you asked me this question a couple of weeks ago, it would have been even more of 100%. Absolutely not. Um you know, but I, I would at least consider just because you're getting a top level running back and in my opinion, a top level receiver back, n- neither on the on the tier that Jefferson's on. But if you're talking redraft, you know, especially if, you, if you're 0 and four or something like that, and you need you need a spark, you need you need an infusion at two positions instead of just one. Right. You know right. what I That's mean? Like fair. It, it's, it's, That's based, fair. it's based on context. Yeah, if you're desperate and you you don't have a, a super team a team with a lot of super depth, like I would I would consider it. My thing is I would want like a better receiver back than Ceedee Lamb. Like Ceedee yeah. Lamb's still or solid. Like like he's a wide receiver too, 
but I, I just need a better wide receiver. Like if I can get an AJ Brown or someone with a little more Devonte, someone with a little more upside, then I would consider it. Uh, but we appreciate the yeah. question anyway, Caden. Um, here's one from Chris Udovich. This is actually referring to our home league here. A little bit of context that I can provide around this. Uh, Udo here, he is, uh, I think, a two and two team, one of the better teams in the league. He does have Saquon on this team already. He has Jamar Chase, and he would be giving up Waddle and George Pickens for Eckler. Um, this was kind of thrown around in my group chat that this trade was super unfair. Um, do you guys think this is a fair trade? And would you, what side would you rather have, Nate? Probably Eckler, because we know what we're getting in Austin Eckler. Ask me after next week, I might say Waddle and Pickens, because I think George Pickens is going to be an absolute beast with Kenny Pickett, but I need yes. to see it for I need to see it first. I know what I get in Eckler. Scott? Um, I'm I'm I would lean Eckler here. I basically agree with Nate. Um, I'm a big Waddle guy, but we'll see what that situation I mean, the situation in Miami is questionable at this point with not great don't know how long two is going to be out um i mean teddy bridgewater is a serviceable backup as far as backup quarterbacks right, go right um but i think in this case especially if it's you know full ppr you know the chargers target their running backs more than pretty much anybody in the league and that benefits eckler on a weekly basis so i'm probably yep. going eckler here okay and i definitely understand why you guys are saying eckler my one argument, I think, for Waddle and Pickens would be, I think there is more upside there, potentially. I, I think Waddle, if if Tua comes back being the same quarterback that he was when he exited that game, Waddle, to me, goes back to being a top you know, 15 fringe wide receiver one status. Pickens could be a wide receiver two with Kenny Pickett in there now. So I'm at least interested in that. Um, and the Eckler, the Eckler manager here, he has no wide receivers. So, like, I understand trying to get it. Um, but I think it's a good trade overall here um, if that ends up getting done there. Um, here we have one from our guy, Lucius. Um, what's up, Lucius? Even guys, great show as usual. Hey, we appreciate that, man. I was wondering what your thoughts were on Kamara. Have an owner trying to get me to buy, and I'm unsure of his value. 0.5 PPR league, half point PPR league there for Lucius. Interesting. Very interesting trade or interesting uh, proposition here. I don't know if I'm going out and trying to buy Alvin Kamara right now, guys. Like it's a little bit of a sketchy situation. We've seen Taysom Hill get a lot of run as well, so I, I'm kind of lenient on trying to go out and acquire uh, acquire Kamara. Scott, are you trying to acquire Kamara right now? Um, I, probably not with a lot of effort, but I would consider like if I was listing, you know, after four games, certainly buy low candidates. Certainly, I mean, depending on the price, if somebody's just like panicking about alvin kamara right then i would certainly take a stab and buy low but i'm not giving up anything near cost for him no i'm with scott <clears throat> unless you need a running back and you're like staring down well do i go after mike boone do i go after tyler Algier? do i go after caleb huntley see what you can get done for kamara before you do that but if you don't yeah, need a running would... back don't do it just to roster the guy because he's not that smash start that he used to be and I think that's a big trend here, Nate, and, and you, you kind of pointed that out. Like We're kind of seeing it with Alvin Kamara, with Zeke, with Derrick Henry a little bit. Some of these running backs, Dalvin Cook even, they might not be the absolute stars they once were. They're aging a little bit. We're kind of seeing the younger running backs take over. The wide receivers are really the stars of the league at this point yeah. right now. So unless you need a running back, like sure, I, I'd kick the, tap, the, the tires on Alvin Kamara because when he's out there, he's going to get 20-plus touches. 
but I'm not actively trying to get him. But if I need a running back, I will kick the tires on it, but I'm not, you know, overly pursuing him. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know the rest of the story behind this question, but typically when somebody else is trying to get you to buy one of their players, you're not in one of those situations where you're buying low. You know what I mean? Certainly. Um, So this, this would, I mean, obviously this would all depend on what the, what the offer was. Okay. Okay. Here we have one more question here from Chris Cummings. This was another one from my home league earlier today that actually got pushed through. And I was, I was surprised this trade happened because it's a very sharp league and it was Chris Olave for Michael Pittman. Pittman has struggled here as of late. It hasn't really looked super pretty for Matt Ryan as a whole. He's passing for a lot of yards, but not super efficiently. Olave, we know the story for this kid. He leads the league in air yards. He's been incredible, incredible for a rookie. However, his quarterback situation is a little bit up in the air right now, guys. Um, what side would you rather have here, Olave or Pittman? Crazy that we're talking about this just this a couple weeks in. I can't. Well, I mean, I can't <laughs> believe that this is already a question and that I don't know the answer right away. Um, mm-hmm. This one's tough because like recency bias pre- creeps in. It's like Olave has been killing it. Pittman has not. Pittman's another one of those guys. Week one, it was like, oh yeah, we got a, we got a wide receiver one here, fellas. And then it's been, you know, he was out for a game and then just the Colts offense and Matt Ryan have looked pitiful. Jonathan Taylor might be hurt. You know, there's not going to be a lot of stack in the box if Jonathan Taylor's out. So, um, hmm. I might have to think about this one for a second, Nate. Why don't you go? So it's actually, this is really easy for me because ahead of the season, as much as I love Michael Pittman, you know how much I love Michael Pittman. I was touting him in 2020 hard, didn't fully pay off. However, if you had told me that Olavi was going to have that wide, basically wide receiver one, like key wide receiver role in this New Orleans offense, I would have said Olavi over Pittman before the season started. But does he, that that role? does he have that yeah, role? Though? Yeah, because- he does. Look, Michael I mean, Thomas isn't reliable. Jarvis Landry isn't reliable. When Michael Thomas is on the field, he's the wide receiver one. How often is he going to be on the field, guys? We don't that's know. That's what I really wonder, and that's, both those, and that's the both problem. Those guys are, uh, both those guys are dinged up, too. I mean, not like missing games, but they're battling with injuries. Right, and then so. you, you look at Pittman's situation. You've got a bad offensive line, a head coach that may or may not be suited to be a head coach in the NFL – and a 38-year-old quarterback that certainly didn't take care of himself the way guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have. Easy, just, easy on old Matty Ice over there, Bob. Look, I love Matty Ice, and I was hot on him coming into the season. <laughs> I thought this was a great situation with Reich. I was wrong. Things could turn around, but I don't see it happening. Everything is a mess there. And as much as I love Michael Pittman, if we're not talking dynasty, it's Olave over Pittman right now. And I don't think it's that hard of a call. Maybe it is Olave over Pittman, even in redraft. But but the issue is, like, I think you can get more than just Olave. I think you can get a package deal for Pittman. He still has that name value. He's still a third-round pick in most drafts. So I think there's still some name value there that, I mean, I would absolutely take. If I have Chris Olave, as much as I love him, and someone offered Michael Pittman straight up, I would definitely do it. Like, if I had Pittman, I would want more than just Chris Olave. I I would take Chris Olave and, like, a a running back or another receiver but it's tough for me to like i I get it that it's a mess nate and you're completely right it is not panned out in indy like we thought it was going to but i still have belief i still have belief that they'll get it somewhat together and that Pittman's still going to be a high-end wide receiver too at the very least what if jt has a lingering ankle issue though 
Sorry, Scott. Just... No, then then they're airing it out. I think even more probably. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I'm very tempted to say Olave here just because he's been better. He would be better for my fantasy team right now. So it, then it brings in what Nate was talking about. You're kind of projecting, okay, well, what's rest of season look like? To me, Olave could easily outscore Pittman the rest of this season. But to me, like the the approach I would take, whether it ended up being right or wrong, the process, I guess, is I don't. I feel like it's a little bit of a panic sell of Pittman, not anything against Olave. I just, I feel like it's like, it's been four weeks. You know, yes. we all think we all thought we knew exactly what was going on at. We, we think after every week, we think we know exactly the way everything's yeah. going to go. And I mean, Pittman's too talented and he's the alpha on that team. So I, I, I side with Seth here in that if I was the, if I was on the Pittman side of this, I would want more than just Olave. And if I couldn't get more than just Olave, then I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my biggest takeaway from, from this, yes, I do love Olave too. My, my biggest takeaway from this, seeing this trade and seeing that this was a trade that went through in one of my leagues was go out and try to buy Michael Pittman low. He is a great buy low right now. While it might not look sexy in Indianapolis, Frank Wright needs to get his shit together. I completely agree with you guys on that. But it's still Michael Pittman. He's still a dog out there. Let's move forward, though, guys, because we do have a, a whole slew of things to break down before we jump into the waiver wire here. And we're going to call this – this is like a subsection of uh, front and center here, and this is big weeks and shit weeks because that's really what week four was to me. We had some players with big weeks, and we had some players with shit weeks. So let's talk about the quarterbacks, guys, that had big weeks. Geno and Jared Goff lead us here. QB1, QB2 on the week. Congratulations to them. They both drop 30 burgers. Goff proved that he can do it without Amon Ross St. Brown, without DJ Chark. So hats off to him, his upcoming schedule, the New England Patriots, Dallas, and Miami. So no defenses that really scare you, but none that are super inviting. And then Geno Smith, New Orleans, Arizona, Chargers. Only one of those defenses I really want to attack in there. So not a great schedule, I don't think, for either one, but not like crazy difficult as well. Are we buying into this sustainability for either one of these players? Um, Scott, go ahead. I'm buying, I'm definitely buying in with Jared Goff personally. Um, I tweeted something out that somehow got a lot of traction. It was just a random thought, but you know how Twitter works where, you know, I started the season in my main home league with Trey Lance as my starter. And then he got hurt in game, which is always a killer when you, when you have a player get hurt in the game, not like you have to replace them, but they get hurt and give you two points. So I got excited and replaced him with Tua Tagovailoa, who then got hurt in game. So I'm pivoting to Jared Goff, and I think I'm likely just going to put him in my quarterback slot and not think about it anymore. Now I, he's Jared Goff, so it's not like he's going to he's going to maintain this. This both the Seahawks and the Detroit pass defenses are atrocious, which is what led to 93 total points. And by the way, the first time in franchise history that the Seahawks did not punt during a game. Um, so, you know, uh, the Dallas, the Dallas matchup scares me. Dallas has got a pretty vicious defense, but new England, oh, yeah. new England is the people, people that are still kind of scared of the new England defense are kind of riding that historical reputation. They haven't been that great. They're bottom half against Certainly. receivers. Um, Miami, Miami is an up and coming defense though. So, I mean, his next Goff's next three games aren't ideal for me with Geno Smith. Um, you know, the Seahawks were basically the same as they were last year. The first couple games, very low play call, play count time of possession. The last two games granted against the Falcons and the lions, they've been having to play in shootouts. And I oh, don't yeah. 
necessarily oh, yeah. see that changing. And Geno Smith has proven at this point to me, um, he is an efficient quarterback who d- goes through his reads and throws to people. You know, he doesn't, he's not doing anything crazy. He's not trying to, you know, get, you know, throw a 50 yard bomb every play. He's, he's, he's taking what's given, given to him, which honestly is refreshing as a Seahawks fan to see that as the, as the style. So I think if you're stuck, I think both are, I think both have staying power. I do. Okay. That's, that's very interesting to hear, Scott. Nate, what's your kind of opinion on these two quarterbacks? Obviously, they both have two bad defenses out there. So I, I think the volume is going to be consistent, at least for Jared Goff moving forward, Nate. Well, I think Goff, Goff has always been a decent quarterback, but like he's like the definition of a system quarterback. He needs a certain system. What Dan Campbell is running in Detroit is working for him. And he has weapons. Not that he didn't have weapons in L.A., but he's got weapons in a system that he likes. Plus, having DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams for him, that's a better running back core than he had once Todd Gurley was down in L.A. I think that's helped him a lot, too. I think it's it's wholly sustainable in Detroit. Seattle, I also think it's sustainable. We're seeing Geno Smith and why he was drafted, where he was drafted. He's got... He's gotten more mature. He's playing more like he played at West Virginia when he was a star at West Virginia in college. I think that he could be one of those guys where it's like, okay, he sat for a long time, but now we're going to see Renaissance Geno. And this is going to be a surprisingly good Seahawks team with Geno Smith to where maybe they don't need to go out and draft a quarterback next year or the year after. Maybe we're three or four years down the road from then looking for another option. 77.3 completion percentage through four games insane i know it's only four games but dude even at a four game clip that's crazy i yeah yeah i mean i'm i think you guys nailed it i don't need to add too much more than i I think there is staying power at least with golf 100 i think he could be a low-end qb1 with what we're seeing he was qb6 a couple of years ago so we can't forget that like the guy has potential. He's been involved with two of the highest scoring games in NFL history now. So something to keep in mind there for sure. Um, and, and Gino, I, I think I think you guys covered it there. I, I will say I love Gino. He, I have him in a lot of leagues too. A lot of my super flex leagues, I went after him as my QB3. He looked good last year. He looked good this year. Question here from Alex, a new face in the chat. What's up, Alex? Hope you're having a good evening, my man. Should I trade Jeff Wilson and Elijah Mitchell for Mike Williams and Mostert? Full point PPR. He says, I have no wide receiver too, and I already have Kamara, Mixon, and Brees already. Yes, I am smashing this 100%. Um, for me, if you need a wide receiver too, Mike Williams, you're going to take your lumps with him. He's going to have down weeks, but he's going to have big ones too. And if you already have Kamara, Mixon, and Brees, I'd say you're set at running back. You need to capitalize on Jeff Wilson while you can, I think. Dude, I don't yeah. even need Raheem Mostert to be a part of this trade to take it. Like, that's just like an extra, like, oh, I have a bonus running back. I might yeah. start one week. Yeah, I, I would do this. I mean, you know, ultimately, a few weeks from now, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how Elijah Mitchell comes back from his injury. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it, it's trading, you know, one running back. It's trading two running backs, but you're trading basically one starting spot for Mike Williams and Raheem Mostert. So I'm, especially if I need a receiver and I have those running backs, smash, smash, smash it up. And and I think like the the bottom line here is guys is like in a couple of weeks when Elijah Mitchell comes back, you're not really going to feel comfortable starting any San Francisco running back. So you might as well capitalize on Jeff Wilson Jr. while you can. 
But man, he had he had the juice on that touchdown run last night. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So Quick bad. like a bunny, man. That was fun to watch. I just needed one more <laughs> point from uh, George Kittle, though, to uh, to win a couple of leagues. So uh, I, I got an issue with George Kittle this week. He Story hurt me. of your life. Yeah. How about it? How about it, Nate? Um, guys, let's go ahead and move forward in quarterbacks here. Russ and Brady, they bounce back for the QB3 and the QB4 on the week. Russ, he injures his throwing shoulder in this. He's battling with a sore arm. He's going to play Thursday night is what we're hearing. He has the Chargers and the Jets coming up after that. So, okay, matchups for Russ coming up. Brady, uh, sad to hear the divorce news today. And, and I'm just going to like go on and say this. If you're one of the people on Twitter making fun of Tom Brady and his divorce, like, I'm going to at least probably hit the mute button. I, I like, I, I, I don't know. Like I get that, that we're trying to be funny and, and come up with memes. And that's part of this whole, you know, content creation scheme. But at the end of the day, this is a person, this is a family. These are human beings. And Tom Brady has given us a lot in his life as football fans. So I think we could at least show him a little bit, of, a little bit of respect. Um, just, just wanted to throw that out there. There will be no divorce jokes here at IBT um, as long as Tom Brady is part of the NFL. Thank you. No, I agree. Right. We got plenty of Russell Wilson TikToks to make fun of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. The, has anyone had the danger the da- the danger sandwich yet? God no. When I was forced to eat uh, Subway all on I, Saturday, all I can it's say awful. is all I can say is tune into the next Pulp Fantasy. Okay. Okay. Oh, Interesting. Scott. Interesting. But dude, look at the dedication. He's gonna eat what he's gonna eat Subway. Oh man, I love I love media. I love every second of entertainment of Russell Wilson. I love every. <laughs> I know you do. Believe me. I know you Before do. he left and after he left, it's not a it's not a he switched teams thing. I've always yes. it's just pure entertainment with that guy. Guys, quick question here from Mark Yosko, new face in the chat. What's up, Mark? Hope you're enjoying your evening. Uh, appreciate you tuning in tonight. I have three Eagles pass catchers: Goddard. AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. I just traded uh, for DJ Moore for Devonta Smith without out realizing my situation. Still a good trade, in my opinion. What should I do? So Start he, them. Okay, so it looks like he has the issue that he traded DJ Moore away for Devonta Smith, not realizing he was going to get all three yep. Eagles pass catchers. Yeah. I think. Start them. Start them every week. <sighs> I, I mean, you're I, starting, I think you'd be a you're starting Goddard and A.J. Brown every week. Devonta Smith, I mean, I, depending on the, your league size and what your roster looks like, he's to me, he's not just an auto start no matter what. He's not quite at know. that level. Um, but I don't necessarily have any problem, like, needing to, like, remedy something here just because I have too many eggs in one basket. It's a good basket to have eggs in. Agreed. Yeah. They're the only 4-0 team left. Jalen Hurts is top five in the league in passing right now. Who would have seen that coming? I think a couple of us did here. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Devonta Smith is a better player at, at this point in the fantasy season than DJ Moore. I think he holds more value. I think I'd rather have him rest the season, no doubt. So, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not I'm not too concerned here, Mark. Um, he's no. saying that trade was good. No, I felt like I had to move off DJ Moore. Yeah, you did have to you move do. off DJ Dude, Moore. That's, that's a fine, Everyone that's move a off of DJ Moore. Moore. There's probably yeah. going to be good people out there that think that 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 wasn't for DJ Moore, but it's in the it's in, it's in the realm, and that's specifically unless Matt Corral comes in or something. Uh, well, my advice here for Mark, kind of closing closing this out. Sorry, there, Scott. Um, my 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 advice to Mark would be. If AJ or if uh, Devonta Smith 
Dallas Goddard have a big game in the next couple weeks and you want to move them, feel free to. But don't sell them on the cheap just because you do have three Eagles. This is a good team to be a part of, I think, is what we're all saying. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mark, we appreciate the question, man. We hope you continue to, to tune in to us over here at IBT. Subscribe, follow the show. We appreciate you. Um, let's talk about wide receivers here, guys, before we jump into uh, into some waiver action. Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, they lead the wide receiver core here in week four. No surprise there. Top eight performer on the week, Josh Reynolds. Got to take my hat off to Nate. Nate, you, uh, we, ha- we have a, a, a section every week on the show in the scope where we highlight deep waiver wire targets. Nate, a couple weeks ago, highlighted Josh Reynolds. Congratulations to you, Nate. Um, Josh Reynolds lost me a couple leagues, but uh, I was happy to see that at least, you know, it it put a smile on your face. (laughs) Well, and I want to, I want to add in there that when, when Nate made that call, Reynolds was coming off like a three catch game. So it wasn't, it wasn't cherry picking stats by any stretch of the imagination. Good call. Yep. Good call, my friend. I, There's I hope- a Tom Petty line. Even the losers get lucky sometimes. So, you know, I'm going to hit occasionally, right? There we go. <laughs> there we go. Some of the shit wide receivers on the week, guys. Drake London, <laughs> Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson. Are we concerned about any of them moving forward? For Deontay Johnson, I think he needs to get his feet under him with Kenny Pickett. Um, we'll see what kind of that brings. I, I think overall it could help Deontay Johnson find the end zone a little more. He stepped out of the back of the end zone too, where I needed him in a couple of leagues just to get I me need, over the hump there. Um, I have a lot of Deontay Johnson. Uh, yeah, the, between, between him and George Kittle stepping out of the back of the end zone this weekend, I was – not a happy camper, um, but my takeaway with these wide receiver shitters here in week four, guys, is Terry McLaurin. I am concerned. He was two of six for 15. He has a low ceiling and a low floor. We've seen that this season. I haven't really been in on him all season, so I, I don't have him anywhere. But at this point in the season, I'd rather have Curtis Samuel 100%. And it looks like Jahan Dotson, the talented rookie out of Penn State, he's going to be out a couple weeks. But when he returns, I think I'd rather have him as well. Yeah, I look. I wasn't really sold on. I wasn't really sold on Terry to begin with. I mean, I, I think I made that pretty clear. I'm not worried about Deontay, especially as we referenced. We have Kenny Pickett coming back, which is exciting. And Drake Lennon's going to be fine, dude. He's basically Jamar Chase Jr. The guy's so talented. Yeah, yeah. So for I me, absolutely agree. Drake London, the only concern I would have with Drake London is not have anything to do with Drake London. It's Marcus Mariota. It's the fact that they were basically a, it was funny that they, they were 85% run almost or something like that in the, in this past game, whereas the Buccaneers were 90% past, but I, I'm not worried long-term about Drake London. He's, he's the man. Kyle Pitts is not doing anything yet. So, I mean, Drake London is the top target there. Deontay Johnson. I mean, I, I'm a little worried. Like I, I know that we all want Kenny Pickett to come in and take over for, for Trubs, but Pickett played like half the game and still threw three interceptions. So I think those were not his fault. Those were two of those were not his fault. The one was on a Hail Mary. So I could argue all three of those were not his fault. None of them were his fault. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I, I, I just say, I just say, I, you know, I still think it's going to take a little bit of time. So I, I, if there's a few more struggles out of Deontay Johnson, as Kenny Pickett gets a little, gets his feet under him, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but and, I'm in these matchups, Scott, overall, you're right. The matchups. Yes. I'm excited that there is a new quarterback, hopefully 
in Pittsburgh. With McLaurin, um, honestly, the game before that, nine targets, 100 yards against the Eagles. So, you know, he he ran into a little bit. The whole team ran into a buzzsaw in Dallas. Like I said, Dallas is not – their defense is no joke. Um, so I don't necessarily feel much different than I did, you know, early in the season about McLaurin. Um, I still think he's, you know, I still think he's going to get volume. Um, would I rather have Curtis Samuel or Dotson over him? Probably. Okay. All right. Um, one more question here from Mark. Then he says he has to head out. Hey, Mark, wish you, wish you'd stay, but uh, we, we understand, man. It's getting late over here on the East Coast. Um, Travis Etienne or T- uh, Tyler Algier. And I, I think this one's pretty easy for me. Like, if I don't need a running play, running back play these next two weeks, I'm still holding on to ETN. It has been hasn't been good. It's been awful. I really only think you're going to find some value maybe the next couple of weeks. Cordell Patterson's going to be out at least four weeks, maybe longer. We're not exactly sure. But we've kind of talked about this backfield a little bit earlier on the show. It's going to be somewhat of a mess. So uh, just keep that in mind. Like, if you need a running back play this week, sure, take Algier. But I still think ETN has upside this season. It might take some time to unlock it, though, guys. Yeah, I'm with everything you said. I agree. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and move forward here. Talk about uh, running backs here quickly. Austin Eckler leads the day, 34.9 PPR points for him. Josh Jacobs, 34.5 points for him. And Miles Sanders almost gets that 30-burger for himself as well. Pierce, Jamal Williams, they both had two TD games. Keep up their hot streaks. Told you, Bo. But Bo, uh, our guy Bo over on the DFS show, he was fighting me. Uh, I wanted to play Jamal Williams everywhere, and he, he didn't want to pay up for him. And uh, I, I was adamant on it. But uh, they, they bounced back. Penny bounce backs, Rashad Penny. And I think the biggest thing I learned about Rashad Penny's big performance against the Lions is not like, oh my God, I need to go out and buy Rashad Penny. It's that I need to buy whoever's playing this Lions defense, guys, because they are stinky. They are stinky. Jeff Okuda's looked okay at times, but they are just overall a very poor defense still. Well, they're giving up a ton of points. So yeah, it's kind of like Tennessee's defense. Like, play whoever, play whoever's playing against Tennessee, unless it's Indy. Um, I was really, I I love Deckler. I love Jacobs this weekend. I'm loving the continued use of Miles Sanders. Finally, we're seeing him be the back he could be. I think Jamal Williams is going to snipe a lot of high value, like third down goal line work from DeAndre Swift. I think he's a guy that you want to keep watching and see what happens. Okay. Well, Swift, they might hold him out till the bye. So, I mean, Williams... Williams, I think, has staying power like a few other running backs we've talked about, even with Swift back, like you were just saying, Nate. But I think he's a he's one of those well, running backs where it's like if you if you were able to get him early, um, you know, one of those backs where if the if the starter in front of him goes out, it's like slot machine, ding, 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 ding. Whereas with yes, these sir. other running back groups we've been talking about in Atlanta and Denver, it's not like that. Right. Um, so hats off to the people that have Jamal Williams. It's going to probably be pretty fun for a little while. It will be. Yeah, ride that high, guys. Um, we got a new face in the chat tonight, guys. Simp Eli. What's up, Simp Eli? Uh, I need some help with a trade. Should I do CD Lamb and Brees Hall for Fournette, McLaurin, and Khalil Herbert? I can't do this as a Brees Hall person that has held on to him. I think we're only seeing the precipice of what Brees Hall can be. He's now getting the lion's share of the work. I think he's going to see big games coming up in the future. I love Leonard Fournette but I don't, I don't love him enough because I don't want McLaurin 
And Khalil Herbert's fine, but he's just a fine depth piece, in my opinion, at this point. I can't do – it's basically a two-for-one, in my opinion, for for Fournette because I don't want to play McLaurin and I barely want to play Khalil Herbert. I mean, in a vacuum, <clears throat> there's no way I'm making this trade. But if you're super needy at running back, like all you've got is Brees Hall – and you can get Fournette and Herbert for him, and then you can basically swap CD and Terry McLaurin. I'm okay with that. It all depends on. It just depends on your your roster situation. Scott, yeah, no, I um, I'm with you, Seth. I'm not doing this. Uh, I could see that. I could see it. we we talked about that type of context with an earlier question. Um, if you're filling a couple of different holes on a team that's that's lacking, then then potentially. And and to you owners out there if you see somebody that is lacking and you want to make a trade like this, where you get CD and Brees back by look for this type of thing. Yes. Um, Cause we're entering Great that advice. time of the season with buys coming up too, where, you know, the, the, the side a side B of a trade and a trade calculator, it's a little bit of a thing of the past. We're talking, we're bringing context into it. We're bringing schedules into it. So look for this type of thing, but I'm, I'm CD and Brees. I'm a little slightly worried about Fournette. Um, you know, uh, McLaurin, you know, same deal. We just talked about him and Herbert. I like Herbert. I think he would be great as the lead back of that team over a prolonged period. But I think, you know, Monty's going to come back at some point. It's going to be somewhat messy. Yep. I'm with you guys on that one. Good stuff. We appreciate the questions here, Eli. We we hope you t- tune around, uh, h- hang around for the rest of the show. Subscribe to the channel. We appreciate you here. Um, shit running backs for the week here in week four, guys. The floor fell that off. That's what out. we're calling it. I love that that's the title. Hey, sh- shit RVs, shit man. You know, <laughs> I- I'm not hiding any feelings how I feel no, about it great. here in week four. We're ble- being blunt as all hell. Um, so uh, hope no little kids are listening tonight. Um, but the floor <laughs> fell out on James Robinson, guys. 2.9 PPR points for him. Um, upcoming schedule, though, looks pretty tasty. Houston, Indy, New York Giants. He was 8 for 29. So it was just kind of bad game flow, in my opinion. Um they did get up early, and then they just kind of went away from him, tried to throw it a little more than I think they should have. Nine touches for Travis Etienne in this one as well. So I'm not concerned with James Robinson. I think we got to continue to hold him. We kind of talked on Travis Etienne, guys. I don't think there's much more to talk about there. Yeah, no, I think we've we've kicked the horse to death. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, Etienne goes for the as first the time. old saying goes, he he tied James Robinson with carries for the first time this year. So there, there's a twinge of concern for me for Robinson owners. Um, if this does veer, if it veers more towards a split thing, um, not saying it's going to, but I would, you know, it, you're always looking for that sell high, sell buy low thing. So I'm hoping a window wasn't missed on James Robinson. I don't think so, but I agree. I agree. Cause we just talked about it last week and we said to hold him when we were saying to help sell high on a lot of other RBs. Yeah. Hopefully that is not the case, but we shall see here. It's just one game. It's just yes. one game. Yep. It's chill. Quick, quickly talking about tight ends. TJ Hawkinson, he goes off for 39.9 PPR points. Uh, yeah, just when you think Hawkinson can't bounce back, he well, goes hard. And I, was, I think that the – go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, I was using Hawk against you, arguing about Kyle Pitts last week. Like, oh, and then he goes off for 40 points. Just like, I can't win. I can't win yeah. with tight ends, man. I just can't. I know. It's been it, – but it's, Dude. it's been brutal out there. And, and that's what we're going to talk about here is like – Zach Ertz proved he's the real deal. He's now tight end four. He's had at least 45 yards or a TD in each game of the season. So you have Zach Ertz, who's the real deal. Hawkinson, who can kind of be the real deal sometimes. You have Mark Andrews, 
you have Travis Kelsey, and I guess you have Tyler Conklin. And like outside of those guys, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, like all these other running backs have been bust. Kyle Pitts this week, one for 25 in week four on four targets. Darren Waller, another atrocious week for him, three of five for 24 yards. No Hunter Renfro in this. He was supposed to smash. Yeah. Kittle, two for 24 on four freaking targets. What the hell is going on here? Yeah. Like, I will say, is, like, I'm I'm not quite ready to throw Conklin in with that group that you just mentioned. Um, I mean, if I would start Tyler Conklin over George Kittle in the leagues, I had him. Like, I'd rather, I mean, I'd rather play one. Njoku or Gerald Everett over Tyler Conklin, but that's just me. Um, you're, you're right, though. They're, the the <laughs> Kyle Pitts, I mean, like, I said it last pod, I still believe in the talent. I think he's going to be good. I can't, there's nothing to say right now. It's been awful. It's part of the reason I'm off to a brutal start because I took a lot of Kyle Pitts really high. Um, you know, I'm still going to stand by that it, Arthur Smith doesn't really know what he's doing either. I agree Hell, maybe we'll one. see Kyle Pitts out of the backfield with, with Cordell or Patterson <laughs> out. Who knows? Um, he actually it's, was it's, lined up in the backfield. I don't know if you guys saw that, but he I did, actually I was did. I did. lined up in the backfield. Um, and- but it's been brutal. It's been brutal. You know, normally it's brutal with tight ends, but normally it's not this brutal with this many guys that were this, in that upper echelon. This is the worst year. I've I've always been pretty good at finding value at tight ends. I have a lot of Waller, a lot of, a lot of Kittle. I have some mm-hmm. Dalton Schultz, who he went for a donut here in week four. Three targets. He's seen 90% of the snaps, but just can't capitalize on it. Um, maybe Cooper Rush will get him a little more involved, but very, very disappointing to see that. Mark Andrews, t- disappointing, but he'll bounce back like, Basically, if you drafted any tight end out of the side of the top two, Fryermuth, Ertz, and Hawkinson, like you're effed. Sorry, I don't know what to tell yeah. you. Like, like no, you just, are. You 100 percent are. Like, do you want to know what it's like being a Kyle Pitts owner in multiple leagues? No, I I don't take it's a awful. take a chopstick and just jam it into your eye as far as you can go. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. Let's it's not, been it's let's, been. Let's, let's, I, 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 just because I he was one call I got right so far, let's not throw Gerald Everett out of this either. He's been a very yeah. solid tight end he all has season. Been. He really has been. And he was going I agree. late. I agree. Albert here in the chat, do you guys think Higby keeps this up? I mean, yeah. right now he's the number two target in Los Angeles. And unless o- Odell Beckham Jr. comes back to this team later in the season, he was, uh, he was spotted, you know, hanging out with the Rams a couple weeks ago. He was visiting the giants this week. I don't know if he was just visiting a friend or what that situation was, but I mean, right now, yeah, Tyler Higby's another person. Like, I don't know, dude, like I- I'm almost feel like at this point, I'd rather have Tyler Higby than George Kittle. Like I get that Trent Williams is out. They need Kittle's help with protection, but I mean, other tight. I mean, Disley's getting getting targets. The third tight ends. Kyle Huchek's making huge plays. Like, it's just frustrating, man. This is like such a frustrating year for tight ends. And like, I just didn't know the tight end dead zone went from round three to to eight this year. You know, well, and it's somewhat random tight ends like Everett and Higby who are, you know, making their way out of that. I mean, Higby, I think it's the real deal. I mean, the Rams. Let's 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 be clear here. The Rams have one of the worst running back rooms in the entire league right now, which is why you saw them. And line. That's why you saw Stafford throw 50 combined passes to Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby. So I don't see any reason why that's going to slow down. So, I mean, if you got Higby, right. more power to you in PPR. I agree. I agree. Love the question, Albert. Guys, we do have some uh, we do have some uh, waivers to talk about for agent fines as well. So let's jump into that in our In the Scope segment. Let's hit it. 
Just want to say, everyone, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us here today. Albert, Brad, all the IBT family, a lot of new faces in the chat today, too. Really awesome to see as we continue to grow this brand here at IBT. Um, guys, just a reminder, we do have content coming out seven days a week between our YouTube channel here and over on our website, inbetweenmedia.com. So uh, just want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in one more time. And let's talk about the main waiver ads here. I'm just going to go through them. We talked about a lot of them today, but just a reminder, Geno Smith, only rostered in 15% uh, of ESPN leagues. He's QB9 on the season. Jared Goff, rostered in 44% of ESPN leagues. He's QB5. So if you need a quarterback, I don't mind going out and paying up for either one of those. Mike Bo- Mike Boone, Latavius Murray. It's going to like take your shot on one of these guys. I'm going Mike Boone because we've seen it before on this team. Um I just he got good run last week with Melvin banged up with Javante gone Latavius I mean Latavius is going to be in the mix too but if I'm spending up on any of them it's Mike Boone but like let me be clear whether it's these guys or the Falcons guys I'm not spending a ton of fab like I am spending some because I don't know how many more running backs are going to be on the waivers this year but I'm not like breaking the bank for any of these guys Nate you kind of touched on that in a column earlier today too well I think it's interesting because I said don't pay up for this guy, especially with the Latavius Murray news today. Like people are going to be rattled by that. Then I go out on the crazy streets of Twitter and I see Michael Florio Jr. saying, Hey, break the bank to get Mike Boone this week. And I couldn't disagree more. Dude, there's a reason he's 0.2% rostered in ESPN leagues. Okay. Mike Boone though. It's because it's Mike Boone. And here's what's pro. Go get him, but dude, unless you desperately need a running back, do not break the bank to get this guy. He's never been a feature back anywhere. Week yeah. 17, 2019, though. Don't forget that. <laughs> well, he had three games with Dalvin Cook out yeah. where in that span he was like the RB15, but he had a 140-yard rushing game. I would love the, for Mike Boone to go off because I'm a Broncos fan and we need a solid running back, but it's probably not going to happen. We're going to see a split between Boone and Gordon until Gordon fumbles. And then Boone will take over the Gordon role. Latavius Murray will take over kind of like that power back role. Or they're all going to get hurt too because the Broncos – You can't – okay. You're, you're I would salty. just – I am salty, right? but – Honestly, in fantasy, unless you absolutely have to get involved in what this backfield is right now outside of Melvin Gordon, I really would be very careful about it. Don't have yeah, high I expectations. Mean, just, you don't want to fall into the trap of just assuming because, I mean, that's the thing. You know, we're, we're waiting. We're not waiting for injuries. Let me take that back. But, you know, we're waiting to pounce on opportunity. And it, as far as two, like, upper echelon running backs and Javante Williams and Cordero Patterson, two upper echelon running backs getting hurt, the, you know, the, uh, the result of that, as far as the waiver wire is pretty gross, relatively speaking, as far as, you know, Oh, running backs, you know, coming, coming up through the fold because with, with Boone and Latavius Murray, I mean, they were already running a committee. It was already a split backfield with a much better running back leading the way. So why all of a sudden is Mike Boone going to come in and get for Mike Boone to be fantasy relevant? He's going to have to get a bunch of volume and he's just not going to get that. So uh, I completely agree. 
he's probably my top running back waiver wire yeah, ad. He is mine too. It's yeah. not a it's not a great week for not counting White. Rashad White though. Rashad White is still my but top. Rashad White's there. I get yeah, a little not, bit. Yeah, I don't I have forget him. about him because he's on all my teams since the draft. Right. But yeah, um, but Rashad White would yeah for sure. Yeah, he he's only rostered in eleven point three percent of ESPN league, so he is out there. Not in a lot of the leagues, the deeper ones that I'm in, but he is out there. Um, Tyler Algier, we kind of talked about him a little bit with waivers too. He's only rostered in sixteen point nine percent. So if you need to play these next couple weeks, Algier is a, a decent one. Um, check out Huntley as well if you need a depth piece. Josh Reynolds, neat guy. He's out there right now. He's available in over ninety percent of leagues. And he's seven of eight for 81 this last week with a tutty. He put my, a couple of my teams to, to rest. I was playing against him in a lot of places. So uh, I have one, you, one more running back to, to look for potentially with this group is a guy that has, it's not based on injury. It's Raheem Mostert because he's been getting more of the play in Miami. Um, so yeah. I think he would be, he That's would a be hard. a better, if you, if you're, if you're in need of a running back, he's a better longer, he's a better long-term uh, potential asset than any of these backups in Atlanta or Denver. Yep. I, I, I do agree with that. Um, just to kind of a, a, a low ceiling, I think for, yeah. uh, yeah. for him, but all um, these guys, a couple ceiling. more wide receivers that we've talked about this season already. We talked about Devin Duvernay in week one, guys, you should be picking him up too. He scored sure. over nine PPR points each, each week. Um, only rostered in 19.5% of ESPN league. So look at Devin Duvernay. It's a little bit touchdown dependent, but he's getting the looks in the red zone. He's a big play waiting to happen too. And like at this point, there's not a lot separating him from Rashad Bateman on this team really. So uh, nope. keep Duvernay in mind. And then uh, Jen, Jen, a couple weeks ago for our in the scope segment, she highlighted Taysom Hill. He scored touchdowns in two or three of his active games. So Taysom Hill is kind of tasty as well. I mean, all I'm saying is that we are a Andy Dalton injury away right now from Taysom Hill to being back in that situation we were, were in 2020 where he could be a quarterback that you can throw in your tight end slot at least for a week or two. So if you're struggling at tight end, which I know like 90% of teams are, and you have an extra roster spot, I, I don't mind rostering Taysom Hill at this point. I'll just say that. Yeah, if you've got a deep bench and you've got a spot, then that's a lottery ticket I'm fine having, but I'm not. I'm not giving up much in the way of depth for him for, for right. Hill hoping, hoping no. you know, you know, with the, with the really only payoff being another injury to Dalton. Final one we're going to talk about here: Tyler Conklin, tight end eight. Um, he he was again three for fifty two this week, five targets. So the volume did come down a little bit, but he's only rostered in thirty eight point seven percent of ESPN leagues, guys. So that number needs to go higher. As long as he's sub 50%, we're going to continue to mention his name because he should be rostered. He's a top eight tight end on the season. Quickly, before we get into our in-the-scope candidates, though, just want to talk about some drops. These are players I'm comfortable dropping. You guys can stop me if, if you disagree with me. Julio Jones, wide receiver 99 on the season. He had a decent week one, but we've played this game with Julio. I don't want to go down this path again. It's going to be injuries, underperformances like we saw here in week four. I'm done there. Dawson Knox. Godwin, Godwin's back. Dawson Knox, tight end for the Bills. I was excited after he got that contract. I thought maybe that would mean something. It doesn't really look like it has. Maybe I, if I need a tight end, maybe I hold on one more week because Isaiah McKenzie might not be out there. Like He might get more looks without McKenzie, without Jameson Crowder. But if you need to move on from Dawson Knox, I'm okay with it. Um, I told you all not to draft him in the first place. 
Easy. I mean, nobody dude, listened. It was Dawson. Nobody Knox. Listened. I was excited to draft Dawson Knox. He was just kind of that default tight end eight. Dawson Knox is Robert Tanyan. Robert Tanyan. The dude has to score a touchdown if he's going to be relevant because he's never going to see that kind of consistent volume in the yeah, but I mean, offense. With, with your with your tight end ten through fifteen range, that's sure pretty much always the case. Yeah, sure. I mean, with with Knox, I don't see it changing just because the the Buffalo Bills have targeted tight ends the lowest amount in the league by far. Mm-hmm. He's just Josh Allen is just not looking towards his tight yep. ends, just not happening. Allen Robinson, wide receiver, seventy three on the season. All I'm gonna say is that I said again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't want a victory lap or anything like this, but like I did say after week one, like if you didn't hit the panic button last year and you don't hit the panic button this year, you're in the same position. And here we are. We're four weeks into this thing. Allen Robinson has one kind of usable fantasy game, but still overall shit. So, uh, I mean, you can try to trade him if someone wants to trade for him, but I don't think you're going to. So I'm, I'm okay with moving on at this point, guys. Um, ben Skronik was used all over the field. It didn't really yep. materialize to a lot, but he was in the backfield lineup at fullback. It was a little weird to see, but uh, I'm just done with A-Rob at this point, guys. He's, he's the third or fourth receiving option on this team. If OBJ does come back later this season, he, he gets bumped down. Uh, we, we might see Van Jefferson back later this season too, and it just hurts him even more. I'm just I'm just done. I Yeah, I mean, I see A-Rob as one of those guys with still has that name value and is just going to be a roster. He's going to be a bench clogger if you don't yep. just cut bait now. He's just going to sit yep. there. You're going to hope it's going to come around. It's not. Um, you know, and if we're talking redraft, especially if it's a, a little bit shallower of a league, then don't don't feel weird about dropping Allen Robinson just because his name's Allen Robinson. Yep. Yeah. We, I mean, we had to go down this path last year. If you didn't, you just clogged your bench all season. So, yep. uh, you know, I'm sorry it didn't work out. If you're following us here at IBT, like we weren't really on him. We tried to stay away from him as much as we could. <laughs> Um, Traylon Burks guys, wide receiver 75. He suffered a toe injury here as much as the young, young rookie looked promising at times this year. The Tennessee offense is bad. Traylon Burks is banged up. You can't hold him any longer. I don't think, I think you got to cut bait with him. If you want a Tennessee wide receiver, go for Robert Woods, I guess, but I'm just out on Tennessee in general. It depends a little bit on his, on his, I mean, if his, if it's, you know, if he's going to miss multiple games, there's really no reason. He's one of those guys to me. I don't like if you were to drop him because he's missing multiple games, I don't think anybody in your league is probably going to pick him up. So if you wanted to pick him up later, go for it. If you're in a redraft league that has keepers, eh, then depending on the settings with that, if he's a guy that it's a candidate to keep and get a, a good value next year, then that might stop me. But you know, we're starting to get towards the point of the season where you're going to have to make some moves, especially if you've got off to a slow start where, I mean, we say it all the time. Oh, it's just one game. Oh, it's early. But I mean, redraft is redraft is unforgiving. Cutthroat. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So sometimes you have to make a decision and move on. So. Okay. All right, guys. Well, let's bring up our in the scope candidates. And these are the players that after the waivers run, you can go out, spend a little, just a little bit of your fab or no fab at all, and just grab them off free agency. Like, like that's the plan here. And these are guys who haven't popped off quite yet, but we think could in the next couple of weeks. We've hit on a lot so far that this year, Nate. You were hot on Josh Reynolds earlier this year, and it really paid off uh, if people went out and got him a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I'm going to give the floor to you, my friend. You've been on a hot streak lately. Who is your uh, shot here within the scope heading into week five, a pivotal week? All right, guys, don't laugh at me, <laughs> but it's Hayden Hurst. Joe Mixon has been wildly inefficient, wildly, like historically inefficient, like one of the most 
inefficient seasons by a running back in NFL history through four or five games. Cincinnati's offensive line, awful, terrible, worse than I could have ever imagined, and I ranked all of the lines. What Hayden Hurst does, though, is he gives Burrow a quick out. So when the pocket collapses like it has repeatedly through the first six contests this season, six, four contests this season, Burrow has a quick out in Hayden Hurst, which I think is why they signed him, because they didn't really have that before. Hurst is a – he snagged a touchdown. That's not going to happen every week. In these ugly streets that are the tight end market in Denver right now, in Denver, in the NFL right now, you don't have a whole lot of great options at tight end. I wrote about Will Disley today, and that you should go out and maybe think about getting him. Scott's probably laughing at me right now, even though I can't see him. I don't hate Hayden Hurst. I think that there's I think there's a role. Two of the next four games aren't great. They face New Orleans, who's been fantastic against tight ends. They have Cleveland, who's been fantastic about t- against tight ends. But then they have two really solid matchups. And then rest of the season, I mean, really don't face anybody who's been super great against the position. And they need all the offense they can get. They're one and three, and they were in the AFC champion. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They won the AFC championship game. If you need a tight end, this really isn't a bad option. Because otherwise, you're looking at guys like Logan Thomas, who, eh, do you really want to mess with more of the Washington offense? Yeah, yeah. I Nate, I, I actually, I was actually looking at Hayden Hurst making him my sure things or uh, my in the scope candidate this week too. So I like the call. Um, quickly before we move on to Chase, uh, to Scotts here, we have a question here from Chase, new face in the chat. What's up, Chase? Good to see you tonight. Hope you're uh, enjoying your Tuesday evening here. Just trade away Gibson and Hawkinson for Schultz and Melvin Gordon. What do you think? So I don't love the Schultz for Hawk part that much, but I really like getting off of Gibson before Brian Robinson comes back and is healthy and getting Melvin Gordon, who could be the RB one in Denver. We don't know. I mean, we're projecting all these things, but there's a good chance that Melvin Gordon is the guy who gets the majority of the carries in this offense until he fumbles. I don't, I don't hate the trade. All I will say is I think you could have got more for Hawkinson at this point. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I just think at the end of the day, Hawkinson is a player that he's going to have these big games a couple times a year. And if you can capitalize on sell high, I think you have to do it here. So uh, I don't love it. I'll be honest. I don't love it, but uh, I understand why you did it. I'm okay with Melvin for, for, for Gibson. That makes sense. But uh, Schultz is just so sketchy right now. And I love Dalton Schultz too. So uh, that's kind of how I feel. Scott. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree. I mean, the timing of this trade after Hawk just, put up a 40 burger um, you might, but at the same time, I mean, we're not that far removed from the start of the season when Dalton Schultz was coming in as a tight end five. Now that hasn't transpired yet, but in the long run, this could end up working out for chase fairly mm-hmm. well, I would say, because I totally agree that we've talked a lot about waivers because we have to Mike Boone, Latavius Murray, but the most likely outcome in Denver is that Melvin Gordon is the primary back for the rest of the season, unless he gets mm-hmm. hurt or has the fumbles. But the most likely outcome, if it walks like a horse, it's probably a horse, is that he is the, and when I say primary back, I just mean the majority carry, majority touch running back. That's not going to be the case for Gibson when Robinson comes back. So no. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with this trade um, because at the same time, Hawkinson did just put up that big game, mm-hmm. but that's not the norm for Hawkinson. So um, I like that trade. 
Okay. Honest. All right. Well, Scott Scott likes it a little more than, than I think I do. But uh, Chase, we appreciate you tuning in tonight, man. Hope you subscribe. Continue to follow us over here at IBT. Uh, I think this is our sarcastic question here from Udo. He's asking me how much fab I use on Hayden Hurst. Um, all I'm of gonna, it. Use all of it. Spend yeah, all of your fab on Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Smash Udo, play. Udo's a league mate, so uh, we'll, we'll tell him to go ahead and smash, smash all your fab on Hayden Hurst. But realistically, guys, any of these players that, that we talk about in, in the scope, you don't really need to spend barely any fab, if any at all. So uh, no. keep that in mind. Scott, why don't you take us home here with, uh, with, with your in the scope? Okay, so mine is a wide receiver who, you know, he's rostered. I checked. He's rostered in 30% of sleeper leagues, standard 12-team, one QB leagues. So it's not it's not down at the 0% range, but that's Sky Moore, um, Kansas City wide receiver, who is in what I would call a initial stages of kind of that post-hype for a rookie, where a lot of people were very hyped and it just didn't happen right away, um, to the point where in week three he fumbled on a punt and never never saw a target. So, you know, he's, he's fallen out of the good graces of a lot of people, but he did have his highest snap share and he had four targets in the most recent game, whereas McCall Hardman had one target. So this is the kind of time when I think his usage is starting to uptick and they, Kansas city has a great matchup for wide receivers in Las Vegas coming up this week, but then they, then they, they don't have another good matchup until their week eight bye. So this is not a pick up sky and play him by any means. This is more of a of a stash candidate that I think is virtually free, being only in only thirty percent of leagues. Um, after their week eight bye, they have four straight matchups where currently um, our bottom, you know, bottom half of the league as far as most fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So four very good matchups for Kansas City coming out of the bye. I think Sky Moore is going to be one of those, you know, a lot of a lot of rookie wide receivers. If they become fantasy relevant, their rookie years, it's in the second half of the season. And I think that's what we're going to see with Sky Moore. So if you have a spot to stash someone, that is a guy I'm stashing. Love it, Scott. Yeah, I, I think Sky Moore is interesting here moving forward. He, he's shown a little bit of promise. Got to get those hands under him on those punt returns, though. Yeah. He, he, he gets a little frisky out there. Um, I'll go ahead and round us out here, though, on In the Scope with uh, with, with my In the Scope candidate here. And it's going to be the rookie, Jamison Williams. And here's what you need to know about Jameson Williams and rostering him. I'm only doing this, guys, if I have an IR slot yes. in in my team. Like I'm not going out and picking him up right now if I don't have an IR slot. But most teams do since COVID happened. A lot of people are using IRs more and more frequently in fantasy. So if you are taking a taking an eye out on Jameson Williams, Jared Goff now this season, I can't believe I'm saying this, but he leads the league in touchdown passes tied with T- Patrick Mahomes with 12. He is top 3 in yards. He has the longest pass in the league at 81 yards and he's the fantasy QB5. And none of this is going to change because his defense is atrocious right now. So he's going to get the volume. And Williams is a guy who comes in here almost averaging 20 yards per catch in college. He went over for 1,500 yards, five touchdowns, and he ran a 4-3, which is 99 percentile, guys. So I am very interested in Jameson Williams. He could be a league-winning type of player. You're going to have to stash him for another three or four weeks here. He could practice as early as this week, though. So keep that in mind. Jameson Williams, though, I think is an interesting stash here. If you need him, pick him up, keep him on the on the IR for a couple weeks, and maybe, just maybe in a couple weeks, you have a league winner on your hand. Uh, that, that's my take here on Jameson Williams, though, guys. I think he's interesting. I love this call so much because Jameson Williams is – he might be the best receiver in this class, but because of the injury, he his stock fell in the draft. 
But in this offense, I think he's the type of receiver that Jared Goff is going to love. And it sounds like he will practice this week. We can see him in two weeks, three weeks. Could we get a league-winning rookie wide receiver from the Detroit Lions two years in a row? A guy who just goes off in the playoffs. Well, I we think know, we could. We know Amon Ra is tr- having trouble staying healthy right now. He's banged up. DJ Chark has been no, you know, no stranger to, to the injury report as well throughout his career. So Swift's banged up. Like there's opportunity to be had here. I mean, hell, dude, Josh Reynolds just took me to the cleaners a couple times this week. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, Jameson Williams, that, that's our thoughts on him. S- Scott, any uh, final thoughts on Jay Willie there? No, I totally agree. I love Jameson Williams. I mean, he's a guy for me personally. If I had an IR, IR slot, he's been in that slot for a while. Um, if you don't have an IR slot, you're probably a little bit of cat and mouse because there's going to be somebody in your league who's thinking the same thing as you and like, ooh, when am I going to pull the trigger on this Jameson Williams? Put him on so, the watch list yeah. then. Yeah, put him on the, the watch yes. list, flag him, whatever you guys do in your platforms. Um, j- just one more question here from Udo um, for In The Scope. Thoughts on Gus, Gus Edwards as an In The Scope candidate? Same type of thing. Like if you have an IR slot, if you're needy at running back, you can go after Gus Edwards. Um, I'm not, I'm just not rushing back. Like I'm not rushing to go get him or anything. I think JK is probably going to have a lot of this backfield and it's going to be a lot of Lamar. So like, I'm not, I'm not overly intrigued, but at the same time, Mike Davis wasn't doing it. Kenyon Drake wasn't doing it. So there is somewhat of a role here. Justice Hill banged up. Like I don't hate it. You know, if you need to go out and you need to grab someone, and, and put them in that IR slot you can stash for a couple weeks. I don't hate it at all. Yeah, I think yeah, in the spirit of this segment in the scope, I think he's – I mean, the running back landscape is – it's a wasteland. Um, poor. You know, poor there's a waiver wire. So a guy like this would be – because, I mean, I mean, I think for the Ravens, their ideal setup is Dobbins, you know, being spelled by Gus Edwards. I think that's the way they want it. They haven't been able to put it together because of injury. But I think that's the way they want it, and I think he could have some value. All right, guys, let's go ahead and round this puppy out here with uh, one of my favorite segments that we just haven't done in a while because there's been so much fancy to talk, but we're going to bring a little feel-good lifestyle back to the show with weekly advice. Weekly. Weekly. So I think something that isn't really talked about enough when, when with us playing fantasy, with us gambling on sports, is the downside to it and like the tilt that can come with it. This week I felt that for the first time this season. Um, was just a couple legs off on a couple really awesome parlays again. Like I said earlier, fantasy football teams, I lost three of my favorite leagues all by like less than a point. So I was super disappointing about that. And, you know, I really just had to step back and, and think, like, what's important here? You know, there are people down in Florida who lost their homes and so much bad stuff going on in the world. So, like, this – I just wanted to bring this segment up and, and talk about, like, tips that we can provide people for taking a step back and, like, avoiding a bad fantasy week turning into a bad real-life week because I kind of felt that. I kind of felt that. Like, I felt irritated yesterday. I felt like I wasn't very nice to people. Um, and I don't want to be that way. So how do we do that? How do we avoid burnout? How do we keep the good vibes rolling? Even when the fantasy vibes are not so good right now. Um, Nate, I want to start with you, my friend. It's a game based on a game. If you're putting more money than you can afford to lose on the line in these contests and things, and it's stressing you out, you should probably call that what 800 gambling number that we all laugh at after a gambling ad. But it's real 
if you're finding that this is constantly affecting your mood in the real world, you might want to consider maybe taking a step back and not doing it. I have fun with it. And if I lose in all of my 26 leagues and I don't win a single DFS slate and all of my bets miss, I still have an amazing wife and an awesome kid that I get to just kind of hang with. Be mindful of what, be mindful of your involvement in fantasy sports and fantasy gambling. I know a lot of people who have gotten really sucked into almost addiction level with it or are at addiction level with it. And it does affect their life like that. If you're at that point, you need to talk to someone about maybe scaling back your involvement and finding some other hobby. All right. All right, Nate. So Nate's saying, just be mindful here. Like if it does get to a serious point, um, you know, keep that in mind. Scott, do you, do you have another tip for us here? Yeah. I mean, I agree with Nate. If it gets, if it gets that bad, then you might have to, to, um, to take a, take another look. But, you know, I think there's still just uh, an amount of stress that I allow in that I think is probably avoidable. It doesn't like ruin my day or my week, but it can sour my mood. And this year, I mean, I've actually posted about it on Twitter a few times. I hope I haven't seen too whiny, but I mean, this year in particular, it's just been, and it just, it coincides with me, like really, really fully stepping into this analysis and research. And to have that, a result of that being like by far the worst start of my fantasy football career, like not even close, like nowhere near a 500 record across my leagues, nowhere near. Um, But I would say as far as something that you can do that I need to be better at is I feel like I get the most, cause you know, I've, I've been very vocal about this. I'm a recovering addict and there's a place my mind goes with obsession around things where it just starts to supersede everything else, everything around me. And I can get into that mode sitting there with my phone or sitting there with the games, yep. paying attention to every 10th of a point every yard that every single one of my teams yeah. is scoring. The, th- the problem is, is it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because I love that aspect of it. I love sitting there and watching fantasy, fantasy points accumulate. But I do have evidence in front of me the days where I am forced to just go do other things and just kind of check on my scores here and there. Even if I lose, it doesn't hit me as much because I haven't been in, as invested into it just 100% of the day. So I would say if you're struggling with that sort of thing, and you're like me, and you're just a obsessed point watcher, try and walk that back a little bit. I'm not very good at it. I have to work on it, but it does help, I think. What happens in the games is going to happen in the games, whether you're attention to every tenth of a point or not. Yeah, go for a walk at halftime. You know, you know yep. Try to get your mind off it a little bit because it is, it is stressful. And Scott, my, my tip, my advice here kind of echoes yours in a way, but – like one thing that I've been doing is like I got really frustrated on Sunday. I did so I, I walked I walked out of the living room where I had my two TVs going. Also my NASCAR bet, my guys leading the whole race. Of course, doesn't win. Last lap gets passed. So you know it, it is what happens. But uh, so I, I was stressed out. I was I was peeved off. I walked into the kitchen though. I pulled up Red Zone on my phone. I was streaming it, and I just started cooking. I just started cooking, and man, did it feel good to just take my frustration out on some potatoes and get a roast going. And, and I, I think that's like my advice is just like find, maybe it's not cooking. Maybe it's not 
getting something ready for dinner. Maybe that stresses you out. Some, some people does for me, it's a calming, it's a calming thing and I enjoy doing it. So find something else that you enjoy doing that you can maybe also do while you're still consuming the games, but maybe brings a little bit of fun. Katie, my girlfriend, she'll knit sometimes as we watch the game. And I find that like, like she, that kind of helps her not look at her phone so much where my bets at, where my team's at, that type of stuff. So just find like another alternative that you can maybe do as you watch the game. Um, also, I think something that we're all big proponents here, guys, is like, man, I've been listening to a lot of music this week, and it's really helped chill me out. Like, find find those music, you know, whether it's chill, sad music if you just lost, whether you need to celebrate a victory um, with some pump-up music, whatever it is, like, lean on those things. Lean, lean on those, like, commodities in life, whether it's cooking, music, comedy, taking a walk with your wife, your, your partner, whatever it is, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of just I, I appreciate your guys' insight, but I think it's important that we talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, always. I mean, we're nothing if we're not human. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people invest a lot of time in this, and when things don't go your way, it's you know, it, it's not uncommon to react maybe in a way you don't want to. So, you know, just for me, like imposter syndrome starts setting in too. It's like, well, if I can't even win in my home league who wants to take advice from me? You know what I mean? That kind of, that kind yeah. of stuff where it's just like, they're kind of separate in a way. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm weird with my own teams. Like the advice I give and in, in articles and on this pod, I don't necessarily always follow that when it comes to my teams. See, I, I'm, teams. I'm too, I'm too, like, if I advise something, I do it hundred percent of the time. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, but, I've, but then, I've like, gotten, I've gotten much better at that. Um, like I said, I was picking up Jared Goff and I'm going to pick up Jared Goff. Like I I'm not like I started Marcus that. Mariota this week multiple places over Russell Wilson and I feel like shit. I and like I almost felt like more like shit because I advised other people to do it, yeah. you know. So it was like a double-edged sword and like I literally like had an issue going to sleep Sunday night because I was so, you know, r- just rattled. And then Monday night I had the 49ers defense. I have George Kittle. I need about like 29 points between the two of them. I'm like, "Oh, this is gonna like you See, know, for me, it was the second straight Monday night where I won three matchups on on Monday night. Okay, which so that was very, that was very nice against our friend Toronto Dave, who prematurely celebrated against me. Um, very nice. I had the Evans Bree stack that went berserk. I came back and won. Anyway, well, I'm I'm glad to hear you did because I came about a, a one point short, less than a point no. short, and if. Uh, I mean, the, the my boy Fred Warner, the whole gang, they did everything they could. But Fred dropped that like almost another pick six there at the end. They almost sacked uh, uh, Stafford on that last drive. So there's so much that could have gone my way. Kittle steps out of the end zone. Deontay steps out. But at the end of the day, it was my own fault. I, start, I started Marcus Mariota. I told other people too. I thought he was a safer play than uh, Russell Wilson. He wasn't. So bottom line here, guys. If it gets to a point where it is affecting your life very bad, talk to someone, take a step back from what you're doing. If you're just at the point where maybe you're like Scott and I and Nate and you're a little frustrated with your teams right now or the bets aren't hitting, let's remember. You're only slightly fun. degenerate. Yeah, yeah. If you're slightly degenerate like, like us, remember to have fun. This is a game. And find those other things that you love doing as well because there's so much more in life and fantasy football. And we're going to bring that to you. That's what we do here in between media. Um, we appreciate Albert, Brad, everyone, Udo, everyone in the chat who's been there tonight tuning in with us. Um, we're going to continue to be here throughout the season. Nate and I will be back on Friday. Good luck on waivers tonight. And until then, guys, keep it in between, and we'll see you soon, friends. Thank you so much. Your 
destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fantasy football advice. 